You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, Episode 3. You're listening to the Relationship-Centered Learning Podcast, a podcast to inspire and empower you to be a difference maker in a dysfunctional educational system. Hear weekly from adults and students who are having a radical impact in the education space as they share from their minds and hearts, giving us practical tools that we can take back to our classrooms and campuses. Here to take you outside the educational box is author, disruptor, and your host, Kevin Curtis. So before we get started with the show, if you really like the GTKY concept of connections before content, but you thought to yourself, where do I get those good questions at? And you're thinking, well, I'm still doing virtual teaching versus in-person teaching, and I just want to connect with my kids, but I'm not sure what questions to ask. What we've done for you is created a free resource of 25 GTKY questions that you can immediately download and go back into your virtual setting or your in-person classroom setting to make a difference of getting to know your students before you dive into the content. All you have to do is head over to our website at rclfirst.com, sign up for our newsletter, and you will get immediate access to 25 GTKY questions that you can go back into the classroom and started putting connections before content. So let's get right back into today's episode. My guest today is seventh grader Mia Ortiz from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Two years ago, we were blown away when Mia had the ability to stand in front of 1,000 educators in an impromptu situation at our conference to speak about the power of relationships and connections from the student voice. We were so impressed with her last year, we brought her back to our conference. And in this time, we put her in breakout sessions where she could share and model the power of the student voice for those participants who attended the conference. When I started thinking about putting students on the episodes for the podcast, I immediately thought Mia needs to be right there at the forefront. She is well beyond her age and wisdom at 12 years old going into the seventh grade. But Denise and I, Denise is my co-founder for NEDRP, are going to have a powerful conversation and learn from the students what they need to feel valued, seen, and heard. Let's get this episode started. Welcome to the Relationship Center Learning Podcast, where we always try to put relationships at the center of all learning. We are super excited today to share the student voice with our guest, Mia Ortiz. Welcome, Mia, to the show. Thank you. Awesome. So just like the beginning of every episode, we like to model what we like to do in the classroom. And that is really what we call connections before content or just what we do this in a format of called GTKY. And so we always start off with every show with all of our guests by doing the flip five, where we will give five questions to our guests and our guests will flip five questions back to us. But I have a special treat today. I have my co-host and my co-founder, Denise Circle, Holiday, uh, Circle Mama Holiday on today with us. And so we want to welcome Denise to the show. Hello, everybody. Hello. Y'all right. come on here what Mia has to say. Awesome. So, hey, as we get started, Denise, why don't you start off with our first question for Mia? All right. So, Mia, first question for you is, what have you done to make it through this time of lockdown? 
Oh, um, well, I just try to, like, I know it's not every other day, but I try to treat it as normal as possible because I know if I treat it as if it were this huge thing, because it is, but I don't want to get it all in my mindset that, oh my gosh, I'm going to get sick, Um, this will happen, this, and I don't want that in my mindset. So I try to stay positive every day and do what I would do if there was nothing going on, if this were a regular summer. So I play games, I go outside, I watch TV, so I just treat it like, a normal day and like it's normal because I don't leave the house during the summer I don't go anywhere we have a pool here um, we have games here so there's really nowhere for me to go I mean unless you want to go bowling but other than that I treat it like it's normal all right I love that so my question for you is do you binge watch do you binge watch things yes okay um, so I want to know what's the last thing or what's the best thing you've been watched done this entire time so um, recently I've been watching The Flash and The Arrow. And so it's just kind of like these action movies from based on the DC comics. And I really like it because I like action, but I also like where they have their own personal life, you know? Awesome. All right, Denise. All righty, Mia, what is your ultimate birthday cake? And I know you have a birthday coming up. So what would um, that cake be? My ultimate birthday cake, like what I want as my birthday cake? Oh, okay. Um, so my favorite color is pink. So I'd probably want a like a tiered cake. I've never really had a tiered cake before. So I'd want maybe like a three, four tiered cake, um, pink with glitter and like all different flavors on each of the tiers. Um, I'd probably want like some sparklers and yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't really want a huge cake, but like, I don't want it super plain and simple. I think the glitter just adds the right amount of, not plain, but like just the right amount of big. Love it. All right. So Mia, I'm going to assume turning 12 years old, right around the corner, right? So music, I'm sure plays a big part of your life. So if you could sing a duet with anyone, who would you like to perform with? Ooh, um, I don't know. There's a lot of good singers out there. There's a lot of hip happening songs right now. It would probably be Doja Cat, the song Say So. Um, I know it's a big thing on TikTok and TikTok might be getting banned. So we're all like, ah, so, um, but I would probably want to sing that song. Like I know most of the lyrics, so. Awesome. All right, Denise, final five questions, yours. So Mia, if you could turn your parents into any cartoon characters, what would it be? Um, I'd actually turn our family into the Incredibles. My dad would be the super, um, Mr. Incredible, super strong. I mean, he already is super strong, you know? <laughs> Mel, Elastigirl's actually the opposite of her. Mel cannot stretch whatsoever. So I think that would help Mel a lot. It'd be very funny. Me being able to turn invisible or just have this force field is kind of cool. And Liam being able to run fast, I think that'd help him a lot when I get mad at him. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. All right, so Mia, I just want the audience to kind of get to know you. Can you just do a brief introduction of who you are and what are, just like, just, just I want people to get to know who you are as a student. Um, so I'm Mia Delisio Ortiz. My favorite color is pink, and I really like it when teachers put your thought or students' thoughts or students' likes into the week of what we're doing. So if we are going to be playing a game, then um, I want them to put our likes into it. So the newest thing is kind of TikTok. I mean, it's getting older now as it's getting banned, but um, if they couldn't 
add in TikTok in that, that would be great. If they could add in fun, hip happening songs, um, dance moves, you know, I just really like teachers or just anyone to add in the students likes because I feel like nowadays people say you're just a kid you're just a kid like yeah we're kids but we also have things we like or things we have a voice so so hey you know let me let, I'm gonna just segue right there TikTok right and yeah. so tell tell me and because I listen I'm gonna be very direct I am not on TikTok never yeah. been I never <laughs> have but but it doesn't mean I'm not against it I love to I love to dance I love to have moves but Tell me and educate me and maybe other listeners, like from your perspective as a student, why is TikTok such a, like a, a powerful platform for you guys? I think it's such a powerful platform because it's a place where you can post videos and post what's happening in your life. So it's, it's like Facebook or Twitter, but you can post videos. You can, there's cute little filters. There's dances that go to different songs. They make up dances. There's actually this one person on TikTok. She's the TikTok queen. Her name is Charlie D'Amelio and she's the biggest thing on TikTok. She makes a lot of the dances. She makes a lot of the trends. So I just think it's a lot, it's a good way to influence people and to let people into your life because some people are just closed off. And I think that's a way to let positivity in your life. Yes, there are negative comments. And yes, we're going to get hate sometimes. But I think that's a good way to learn that everyone's going to get hate. Everyone is going to have somebody in their life that does not like them or doesn't like what they do or what they post. Um, and I think it's good because you get to follow other creators. So you get to um, keep up with what they're posting on their account. Awesome. So thinking about this TikTok and such a powerful platform for students, how do you think, it's kind of a two-part question, but being that virtual learning is such a big aspect right now in the middle of this pandemic, how do you think TikTok can be a useful tool for teachers to kind of either engage with their students or get to know their students? How have you seen or what do you think TikTok can do to help teachers be more interactive and build relationships with their students? So right now, I know a lot of people don't really like the virtual school. And I think if teachers are on TikTok, they know, we always talk about TikTok in class all the time. I know people are always doing dances in class, singing to it, and teachers are like, no, no singing, it's class time. But I really think it would help them to connect with us because teachers, they focus, I, I feel like they, some teachers, they focus too much on being our teacher that there's no room of being some sort of a friend. Like, yes, they're not friends where we can like, you know, just so hang out with them, get super comfortable, but I don't want them to see us just as students. I want them to be able to see us as people they can connect with or people they can talk to, or I want us to be able to have somebody to lean to at school. And sometimes a friend, like student friends aren't always gonna know what to do. And I feel like if teachers can just connect with us on some sort of basis, that would help us. So on TikTok, I know a lot of teachers don't know how addictive it can be, like addictive, because once you get on it, it's really hard to get off. You know, you're trying to learn the dances, you're seeing what's going on with everyone. And I just think if they, like a lot of teachers are getting on it now. Um, and I think that's really helping them trying to connect with us and see what we like. Awesome. All right, Denise. Okay, so um, thinking about that, Mia, if you had virtual classrooms and TikTok was part of it, what would be the one message 
in your TikTok video that you would want the world to see? Now, now remember, everybody's signing in on TikTok. It's trending. If you did a TikTok video, what would be that message that you would want to send out in your TikTok video? I would try, I would send out something like, yes, the world is hard, but that does not mean you give up. Just because you come up, there's challenges that you face, that doesn't mean you automatically stop. That doesn't mean you start complaining about, well, I had this the other day and it was bad and I didn't like it. Like, yes, we all go through these challenges. So complaining isn't going to help that. And I think if I had to send a message, it would be, work it's a thing you have to go through challenges so don't give up don't just encourage yourself you know just keep climbing you know you're gonna get to a point one day where you're proud of yourself and people see you who you think you are and people see you for what you deserve to be seen as mm. and i think that's really important to tell people because some people they will automatically give up i know when people get hate on tiktok they automatically post a video like stop giving me this hate i will delete my tiktok account like no i want to send a message out there that yes you get hate that's a thing in the world i'm sorry if you didn't know that but hate is something you will get i've gotten hate multiple times like oh you think you can dance or this and that like i yes i actually think i can dance i'm sorry if you don't but I just think I can dance. So if you don't like what I post on my account, you know, there's an unfollow button right there. So. Oh my God, me. <laughs> Girl, I love it. I love you so much, Mia. You just got me all out of character. All right, this is about to get real in this podcast, baby. <laughs> oh my goodness. So. You, you mentioned some of the negative experiences that you yourself have experienced in TikTok and in the real world. I think, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go personal here, Mia. You know, you're getting ready to be 12 years old. What grade are you going into this year? Seventh. Seventh grade. Okay. Wow. Seventh grade in the middle of middle school, right? And so what I would say is like, as you approach seventh grade and we'll get to, we'll, we'll talk about what school is gonna look like soon enough, but just as a seventh grader, what is like one of the biggest challenges that you experience? And I'm not gonna say on a daily basis, but just one of those overall, one of those challenges that just kind of keeps popping up to the surface as, as an incoming seventh grader. I used to be like this um, where everyone I know and including me would try to fit in. Everyone thought there was just one mold you had to be in to be cool or to be popular. Like there's no one thing you have to be able to do or have to be popular. And I remember I got on TikTok. Part of the reason was to see like, what is all this hype about? You know, I'm going to be the thing, like I'm going to be in the trend to see what this is about. And like, Yes, it's hard to not be in the trend because there are so many dances and like I think dances is just a whole big part of TikTok. But I think just school in general, it's trying to fit in, be with a popular group or sit with the cool kids. Like there's just not just one stereotype. You have to play football to be cool or you have to be captain of this, whatever, you know you can like art or you can like music or you can be a choir student a beta club you can be anything to be cool it just it doesn't depend on what you do it depends on your personality wise like and your friends you know if your friends are there they're gonna hype you up you know um and if you don't have those right friends you know they're not gonna hype you up mm. denise 
love it. I want to add to that. So thinking about, Mia, you have so much confidence and so much energy. I just love it. It's infectious. That means that people want to gravitate to you and they want your energy. But I want you to think about this. I have not always had confidence. And when I look at you and the confidence that you have speaking so comfortably, what would you say? And you just said, hype them up. What would you say to that adult? Because I believe adults can learn a lot from students. What would you say to that adult that think they may not have the confidence that they need or that they're looking for? What would you say to the adult? So to the adult, I'm just going to share my point of view, what it's been like. So it's hard for me to stay confident. It's not hard, but there are challenges in staying confident. And it just comes naturally to me. But there are some times where I just want to give up and just stay in my room all day. And I mean, I sort of do that now, but it's not in a negative way. But there's just sometimes I just want to curl up in a ball and just close up to the world, you know. Um to the adults, I would say, yes, it can be hard for you and you're always told to set the example, but honestly, yes, you want to set the example. Like you have, to, if you're telling kids, be confident, it's okay. You'll do great on your first day of school. Like, what about you? What about your first day back? Like, are you gonna be confident or are you gonna sit in your office all day having only one cup of coffee because you don't wanna go interact with people? Like, you have to be the example. And kids too, like sometimes it has to be the kid that has to push the adults. Like sometimes adults don't have like the courage and sometimes they just have to see somebody who is younger than them or somebody who is shorter than them or something that is just like, a kid or something like they just have to see that to be able to do it because I know some adults they would not be able to do what they do if it weren't for the kids out there well you are the reason why I keep pushing and the reason I say I can do this and I can speak up and you bring that courage and bravery out of me so thank you Mia so when you just talked about adults struggling and um do you think students know that teachers struggle? I think teachers try to hide the fact that they have problems from kids because they think we can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's a bad habit because you're going to get used to closing up and you're not going to open up to anyone else. No friends, no parents, no siblings, you know. And I think that's a bad habit. You, Yes, we're human too. I promise you we can handle it. Now, a kindergarten, kindergartner, they have some limits to what they can handle. But if it's a seventh grader, I promise you, you can have problems. We all have problems in here and it's a normal thing. So please don't close up. We want to be able to help you just like you help us with school. You help us with feelings. Like I want you to be able to trust us like we trust you. Well, you know, I think what you just, you mentioned the T word, trust. And I will tell you, um, from an educator's perspective, let me give you a little bit of enlightenment, right? Typically, educators work, and I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, Mia, but most jobs, when you get hired, and just take this into consideration as you grow, most jobs, once they hire you, if you've gone to college, or you had a certification, or whatever it is, right? Um once you get hired, most jobs just rely and respect and trust you to do your job. And unfortunately, 
I don't know when it began, but Denise and I have been in education over 20 years. And all I know is, is, is the system of trust kind of eroded. And now teachers are made to feel like, even though you're degreed, even though you're certified, even though you've taught this, whatever, we're going to micromanage you to the point where you are stressed and thinking that we don't believe that you can do this job the way that we hired you to, right? And so I, I just tell you that not to defend us, but just to understand what's like we're almost programmed to let you know we can't, we have to have it all together. But now I'm with you, Mia. I tell, I, when I preach and teach to adults, right? I tell them kids don't know that we're okay. They don't know it because we don't show it. That's what I say. They don't know it because we don't show it. And I don't think teachers need to be hot messes, right? right? I just think that, hey, um, it's like when we started this podcast. Hey, there's dings going off. There's things going off. Hey, can we get this fixed, right? Like, I think if a lesson's not going well or if something's not expected to go right, I think sometimes there's an expectation that we're supposed to have it all together at every minute of the day because we're the controlling, I'm going to use that word, controlling adult in the classroom. So when I paint that canvas for you, what, what are your thoughts? Well, honestly, kids, like adults, they, they think they're expected to be this hard rock for us when we are feeling down or something or we have problems and they don't know that it's okay for us to be the rock or for other teachers to be the rock it's it's okay you have feelings you're not a robot everyone has feelings and it's a thing to show your emotions if you hold your emotions inside one day it's just gonna keep adding keep adding keep adding until pop it explodes and all these emotions keep running out and it's not it's not a good habit to keep your emotions inside. I am, um, I don't believe that it's okay to just, you know, you have no emotions. Like, yes, teachers have to be there for us, or yes, teachers can be this super happy, positive person. And yes, like you people think where uh, teachers are expected to not share their personal life or not share this or that. It's like, yes, you're, it's okay. You don't have to share everything with us. Again, we're not best friends, but let us in on a little of the details so we know you are not have any problems or to know that you're okay because if you're not okay that could affect your teaching that could affect us and just one person can affect everyone else and we need to make sure we work as a community and make sure that we help everyone you know so thinking about this you just said it and thank you i think you illustrated it beautifully but you said they hold it in until they pop right and so what we've observed there's maybe more than two, but the two things that typically happen is either a teacher loses it mm-hmm. yes. or, or they quit, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't want you to mention any names, right? But I want you to think about this. Have you ever experienced a teacher lose it or quit? Uh, yes. Um, I just feel like they 
they feel like they have so many problems in their life. They just can't let it out. They have to keep it in and make sure nobody knows what they're going through because they think they have so many problems. They have so many things rocking them because, oh, a student won't listen. Oh, a student this, oh, a student that. It's like, yeah, students can be a problem, but maybe it's also you that because all of this anger is adding up, it's could have been just something you could have brushed off your shoulders. Like, oh, this kid borrowed my pencil and I'm super mad. Like, no, you can brush that off, but because you're holding these emotions in, you're just losing it all when just one little thing goes wrong. And I know that students do that too. Um, I know I do that um, with Liam. Like I say, no, it's okay, it's okay. And I get really mad at him. And then all of a sudden I just lash out and yell at him. Like, that's not okay. And I know me saying that, like teachers don't do that and I do it, but I will work on that. But I just think that students and teachers should work on letting it out when it comes because it will come out and you could have some serious problems whenever it all pops, you know? Oh my gosh, I love it. You you know what you hit on, Mia? Man, you hit on accountability. You said, I know I do it and own it. So I wanna talk a little bit about accountability. Do you think it is important that you yourself and um, your teachers or those in your classroom account hold themselves accountable. What does accountability mean to you? It's holding yourself to your actions, being able to confess when you do something wrong or being able to not be shy when somebody asks who did this, like you own up to your actions. Um, I'm holding you accountable for this. So you're in possession of this. I'm making you in charge and you need to own up to any mistakes or anything good you've made. So example, shy people, when they do something good, people ask, did you do this? You don't hold yourself accountable for that. And yes, you should. That's something very good that you've done or something very good you made. And you shouldn't be hiding from the world. You should be telling everyone, I made this. I have these, like, yes, I know it could be your worst nightmare, but I promise you, the more you let out, the easier it will get. And just like if you do something wrong, I think that it's okay because it will go on and on. So if something happens and nobody owns up to it, this could be an ongoing, ongoing investigation. And I really think if it's this this tiny, it shouldn't be going on for five months. You know, you should own up to what you do. You should be not, you shouldn't be like embarrassed of your actions. You as a human should be able to say, I've done this, I know. And I know when you get in trouble, it's not easy to do, own up to your actions, but it's the right thing to do. So, you know, I, I'm, um, it's a great question, Denise, but I'm going to throw something at you. I'm going to throw a curveball, Mia, at you. And here's what I'm going to throw at you. Your perspective is such a unique perspective. I think I, I think most listeners and including Denise and myself have always said, God, if we could have a bunch of Mia's in our classroom, life would be amazing. Right? So the hard part me is, is we don't all have Mia's right. So a lot of teachers struggle when you just talked about accountability, owning it. Right. And a lot of teachers will say, you know, what do you do, Mr. Curtis or Miss Holiday, when I have a student who I constantly have to, hold accountable for their actions or their choices or their words, but all of the student does is deny, right? It wasn't me, you know, um, I, I didn't do it. And yet the teacher knows, yes, it was, right? So 
I don't know if I want to ask you to talk from the student's perspective, but I just want you to realize that there are some adults and students out there that struggle with accountability for a variety of different reasons. But I think that we have some teachers and educators listening to say, hey, that's great if I have all Mias in my class. So when a teacher asks me, what do you do when the constant kid just deny, deny, deny? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Have you ever experienced that, those situations in class with other students or teachers? I mean, what would be some advice from your perspective on how we could not solve the problem, but kind of work through it? My advice would be, they're not telling you they did it because they don't think they can trust you. I've been talking a lot about trust where teachers lean on them, you lean on them. Like, I think the reason why they don't accept what they've done is because they're like scared of you or they don't trust you. You'll tell or you'll get them in trouble. Like you need to be able to say, it's okay that you did this. Just make sure please next time you don't do it. You need to make sure that this isn't a habit because if they don't tell anyone, it, it could be bad. So you need to make sure they can trust you. I've experienced that in class a lot of the times. And I think because the teachers are just always hard on the students and just, again, think of them too much as students and not as like friends sort of. But I, if I like were to not hold myself accountable with something, I know I used to when I was younger, it was like if I stole money from my dad, um, it was because I needed it or he wouldn't let me. Um, but I would say, well, I just felt like I, yes, I can trust my dad. Like he's my father, but I can't trust that he won't get me in trouble, you know, because a lot of adults think if you discipline me, I will become the perfect child. I will become the perfect this. Like, yes, disciplinary is part of the reason why kids are very good but also you need to let them have a little freedom or else they are robots. They don't have a life. They don't do spontaneous things. When they get older, they're just go to work, go to home, eat, sleep, you know, repeat, you know, and I feel like that's just, you need to let loose once in a while and just to know like, that's okay that I did this. It's okay. Yes, I will get in trouble, but it's minor. It's okay that I did something wrong. Everyone will do something wrong in their life. You are amazing. And you're right. I like what you said about um, that whole robot thing. I personally, as a kid, experienced that. Like, where maybe I did something wrong, but I didn't want to say anything to my mom or my grandma because I was scared of getting in trouble. So I think creating the environment where, all right, we know we're going to get in trouble, but we're more open to learn from that and we don't feel scared or intimidated is the type of relationships that I create with my kids now. That was powerful, Mia. Yes, yes. I think it's good for them to not think of you as a threat, more of think of you as, again, like a friend, but also a friend who disciplines them. Well, no, and I I love that, Mia. I think there's, I think what you just described is a very, very thin line for adults. So let me, you know what I mean? In other words, they're like, I can't be their friend. Um, I have to be the adult. I have to be in control. And so I think what, what we're hoping educators will start to understand, and this is what I always tell people, you know, you can't use a 1999 or 1990 playbook in the year 2020, right? right. When we were in school, we could just own it. 
you could threaten us. And we were, we were, we were, we were robotically taught to listen. And there were other times that were, and, and don't get me wrong. There were always students that don't have not always listened, but I talk about the mass majority of students. We were taught and raised to not question adults and to just follow expectations. Right. We, and, and I'm not saying we didn't have a voice or a choice. It was just very minimized. Right. And so the one thing that I had to adjust, I, you know, I'm 50 years old and I've been in education for over 20 years. And in the last 20 years, I think it's hard for teachers that have been in it for an extended period of time to adjust. And so we're saying, hey, I know you started teaching 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And back then, students primarily just listen to you and follow directions very much like the robotics that you talked about. But yeah. now, but nowadays I just feel like students not only want, but almost need more of a voice and a choice in the school setting than we've, than we've typically a- applied and allowed before. What, what are your thoughts on that, Mia? Well, teachers, yes, you um, have been you were raised in where um, you were not questioning adults it was just they were the person who led things they were the person sort of the leader and you followed them there was no questions asked you did what they said and that was that but I think now like yes I tell you to open up to the kids but you also have to be careful to who you open up to because yeah there are kids that once you open up to them you they will take advantage of you they will take advantage of the side that will not get them in trouble and you need to make sure that yes you discipline them um every now and then and you're also like open up to them every now and then it's a good system to where you are still in charge but it's not so much as you're the leader you're the person who gives out instructions but we can still talk to if we have any problems like if we have problems then we can open up to you and we don't want to tell our parents then that's okay you need to make sure that you just pay us the favor don't don't just close up don't lash out at us because we have been more than kind like i mean unless kids are not behaving then yes i understand where all that is coming from but other than that So I I think what you just said was very, very important. And here's what I'm going to segue one more before I turn this back to Denise is this sometimes just giving you the perspective of the adult. Sometimes the teacher thinks that when you share anything, particularly personal, right, that they, they misinterpret their position as they must either solve your problem, right? And sometimes I think most human beings just want to be listened to. And so I think it makes adults scared, apprehensive, nervous, and they're a little afraid that if where is the thin line that we can share something personally, but not go too deep, too fast, or I don't think most kids know that teachers are what I call mandatory reporters. In other words, if we get wind of, or if a student tells us anything about harming themselves, harming others, you know, sexual abuse, uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, those types of things, like we have an educator code that by law, we have to report. And so I think all of those, when you take all of these things into, into consideration, 
That's why the narrative for the teacher is so hard in just being the regular human being that I think students want them to be. And so I'm not defending them. I really want students to understand some of the challenges that they're up against while they're trying to meet the needs of the modern student. Does that make sense? And I feel like just kids, um, when they tell their teacher something, I feel like they can sometimes be closed off because they know that they'll get in trouble with the principal or they'll get in trouble with the counselor or even their parents. Like, I just feel like sometimes if you really trust that student, you can do one thing for them. Like, yes, you can not tell them or you can give them a lollipop or this and that. But I feel like if you can really trust them and if they really have opened up to you well enough, but not crossing that line of where we're friends, you know, if they have opened up enough to you, I feel like sometimes you can give them leverage. Good job. So I know we had some questions that we you were going to ask us, but I want to ask you um, this one last question. Thinking about all of the work you've done, doing restorative practices in your classroom, um, at home, what would you say has been the biggest growth for you personally since you put relationships front and center? Well, we did circles in fifth grade, and I remember they would just give us a question, and we answered like surface level, maybe medium deep, but now since I've been to these conferences, been with in meetings, the podcast, um, I think that now children and kids and just anyone in general are willing to be able to open up because they have been hearing and listening from other people that it's okay to let somebody talk. It's okay to let somebody open up. Like, it's fine. unless If they're doing something wrong and they're opening up way too deep, then that's where we've crossed a fine line. But if it's like medium level deep, then I think it's okay. Because I remember before I went to the first conference I ever went to, I would just do surface level, say what I went with my weekend and good. Um, And then I went to that conference and I came back and my teacher asked me, what do y'all think about circles? And everyone was like, I think they really help you open up. They can connect with people. And I said something sort of like, it's somewhere where it's a place that you can just be true to yourself. It's a place where you can just let everything out. It's a place where it's trust. I know that some people are not willing to trust, but it's okay in circles. I promise that if it's said in the circle, it's going to stay there. And honestly, nobody's going to ever know that it's okay or anything because if you don't, if you, you can talk all you want about, oh yes, this and that, or you should do this with your students and that, but nothing is really going to happen unless people are willing to listen. Yes, we can talk and talk and people are saying they listen, but I know from experience, people are not listening and we need to make sure people listen. Like, yes, now people are changing the way in their classrooms. People are opening up more. People are allowing more leverage. But I think that just, you know, being able to connect with your kids, you know, 
don't just treat them like students. Yes, they're your students, but make sure you also treat them as a human. You said that, honey. Thank you, Mia. So, so while we're on the, the, the topic of circles and different things like that in the classroom, you know, Mia, you, you came to our conference two years in a row and you just talked a little bit about it. So the last conference that we had, we really made it about the student voice. I mean, we had, oh my God, I can't even count the number of students that attended the conference. And we had a shirt that said, value me, see me, hear me, right? And you spent a majority of your time there in a room, modeling circle, demonstrating circle, participating in circles. What were, what was, what were some of the experiences that you took away as you modeled and also built relationships? What, was, what are some of those experiences you took away from that? I think it was when educators came in. I saw them as teachers at first that were coming in to seek help, to make sure what to do when they help their students. But when it came to circle, when everyone was sharing, I really saw them as a person, as someone who was telling me something and not as a teacher. I really didn't see them as, oh, you're the adult, you're going to tell me what to do. I saw them more as a person, a simple, like not simple person, but just a person who has feelings and it's normal to grief and normal to be happy and be sad, you know. And I really think that circles is where you can see them as a person and not really a student or a teacher or uh, your boss or like your manager. I really think that's a place where you just see them as a person. And that's where you're not judging them for, oh, well, he didn't pay me my paycheck last week or it was two cents off. You just really saw them for a person, not because what they've done or who they are, you know? On day one, you walked into the circle room knowing only a handful of people. Yes. By day two, you left um, with so many phone numbers. Tell me about that. Because I think about, as I was watching, I was thinking, these kids don't even know each other. They're sharing so deeply. And you guys were like exchanging numbers. Tell me what that experience was for you. I think it boosted my confidence when I left because back two years ago, I didn't have as much confidence as I have now. And I really think when I went in there, I was scared. I was really scared. Like, what if they don't like me? Like, they were teenage students. What if I don't get along with them? What if this and that? Like, I was thinking all of the negatives instead of thinking, what if we become friends? What if I create a long, long friendship with somebody? And I think it's kind of cool to be friends with someone who's older than you or younger with you, you know, being friends with teenage students. Like, I know I have a couple friends who are in ninth grade or somebody who's graduating, you know, and I think it's really nice when I left when I left the conference I remembered I remember feeling like a million bucks I remember feeling like the best I remember having the best amount of confidence I remember feeling like I could talk to anyone and open up to like not open up to anyone because they can really hurt you if you share them everything but I felt like if I could trust them enough I can tell them everything 
that I'm just not a closed up wall anymore. And I think that's better because before I would, when new people came to the school, I would meet them through my friends when they met them. And now when I go up, I go up and I'm like, I'm not waiting for you. I'm just going to go, you know, come whenever you're ready. Like, and I truly tell them if I'm going to spend the year with them, I tell them who I am and I tell them I'm a little weird. I can be mature at times. I can be cool at times, but there's some times where I just have to lay down and just like become a whole different person. Like I feel like sometimes there's two people in me, but I'm one person, two personalities, but one person. Like there's the mature side of me and then the kid unmature side of me. Um, <laughs> and I know it's, important to let myself let loose because a lot of teachers said let them be kids they're just kids this and that it's like I'm being a kid by doing this I'm sharing my student point of view I'm sharing what should be done in the classroom so instead of telling me let them be kids tell me that you're proud of me or tell me that that was a good job or tell me what I need to fix or this and that like when I go into those conferences, I don't want them to see me as a 12 year old or 11 year old. I want them to see me as a person who's come to do and um, uh, like make do circles. You know, I don't want them to see me as just a kid. I want them to see me as someone who has a voice and is willing to do circles with them. Mm. So, you know, Mia, the, the first year you were at the conference and we're, we're talking about putting students on stage, right? In front of all those people. Oh, it was scary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have a thousand people at a conference. We're like, let's throw the students up there. <laughs> yeah. The first year. Yeah. yeah, it was totally unplanned. But um, we, I, what I was most impressed about is even though we had an amazing keynote speaker, we had all of these adult things going on. What I remember most is when Denise and I are like, yeah, let's do this, right? And we get the, we get the three of you up on stage. The, out of a thousand people sitting there, it was like all of a sudden, everybody paid attention. Yeah. All the phones came up, recordings came out. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I mean, at that point and at that age, I don't know if you truly felt and recognized how many ears and eyes were open to hear from you? Do you, do you what, what did that feel like for you? When I went up on that stage at first, I was terrified. I felt like I was going to throw up. I was going to say something wrong. I was going to come up there unprepared, just staring at the audience like, <laughs> what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Um, and honestly, now thinking back, I wish I could have said more like what I just said now. Don't see me as a student because, yes, I'm a student, but also see me as someone who's just come to do circles. And honestly, when I left that stage, I was with all the feels. I was scared. I was happy. I didn't know what to feel. But I know when I was on that stage talking, I felt like, Everyone heard me. Everyone knew what I was going through. Everyone knew me. Um, I wasn't closed up to them. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm on a stage in front of millions of teachers. And I feel like teachers mistake kids 
for like they don't have a voice i'll do it for them it's okay and now like no i'm gonna do this by myself on stage in front of thousands of educators okay so when i came off that stage i felt all the feels like (laughs) and they heard you baby girl they heard you they are still talking about that today and i'm gonna make a confession to you today mia I didn't even have to talk that day, but I, I, you guys were going on the stage. Baby, I thought I was going to pass out on that stage. I was like, come stand in front of me. Mia, come over here. You guys did phenomenal. You really did. And they heard you. And I had all the frills too. Happy, scared, nervous. Yeah. Fall out. Am I gonna fake? Am I gonna throw up right here on stage? <laughs> no, so so Mia, the the secret is Denise doesn't like talking in front of people either. So um so just know she doesn't show it, but she 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 really struggles with that. So I I, I from that conversation and and for our listeners, man, I don't I don't if you've never been to our conference, um, I will tell you um, it's an it's an experience. And we'll definitely put a link in the show notes and some information for you to find out more about our fourth annual conference coming up this November. Hopefully, pending everything the pandemic. But here's what I know: when all three of you spoke, uh, the high school students spoke, and we took a quote and paraphrased it from this, and basically summarized that she said in front of that thousand people. Teachers, if you don't connect with us, why should we content with you? Because realistically, we can find all the information to all of your classes right here on this laptop or, or this handheld device, right? So I made a little quote, and, and I always give her credit, but we always say, if you don't connect with me, why should I content with you? Do you think that's an accurate description for the modern-day student in the classroom? Yes, I really do. Um, I think teachers are so used to us just not opening up, just sitting there as a student, listening to what they are saying, doing what they tell me to do, and that was school. And I feel like teachers have to get used to the fact that we are humans and we're going to open up. But if you can't, somebody has to be the bigger person. I know teachers tell us, be the bigger person, be the bigger person. You know, Don't fight, don't argue. But I really think they haven't done that. Like some teachers will have arguments with other teachers and it's like, be the bigger person like you tell me to be. You know, set the example. Like if you are willing to open up to me, I will share everything. I will tell you all of what I'm going through. I mean, not everything, but I will share school appropriate things that I'm going through. And I just think that's important for teachers to open up first because students, they can open up. It's easy. It's as simple as a snap for us. I mean, and yes, there are some students who are not willing to open up and it takes just that one person to say, it's okay to be embarrassed. It's okay to be nervous. It's okay. You are a human being and you are allowed to feel all this and it's okay. It's a thing and you're just going to go through it. And I just think that it takes a teacher to get all the nervousness out and let us connect with them because if they don't connect first, I feel like students don't, won't connect either. 
Well, and you have an advantage, like we talked about. You you have the ability to find out so much information in such a quick way. You can solve any math problem online. You can look up anything in history, any science. You know, and 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 that's an advantage where where this generation has that we don't, right? And so, I, I just always try to preach and teach and remind teachers, like, I know that you're here for to deliver the content. And that is the center focus of what we're here. But notice what, the, what we've called this. We're relationship-centered. Imagine your classroom, if you're more centered around the relationships and you let the content and everything else wrap around the relationship versus the other way. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so Denise... Denise didn't even realize it, but you were like, oh my God, she's got five questions for us. We, man, I, we forgot to do the flip on the five, right? <laughs> so, so, hey, I want to hear your questions. What do you got for us, Mia? Okay, so for Circle Mama, um, how do you feel about not being able to give hugs? Ooh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> let me say this, Mia. Mia, uh, we're going to talk. You know your mini Circle Mama. Everybody needs to know. This is little mini Circle Mama. She got that name from that first conference. Uh -huh. you know, honestly, I'm really having a hard time yeah. uh, not being able to give hugs. I'm an affectionate person, and I sometimes forget I'm not supposed to be hugging, but right. it, it hurts deep down in my soul and my spirit not to be able to give that affection, give those hugs um, to other people. It's really hard for me. Yes, I can good imagine. Question. Very good question. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to alternate between Circle Mama and Kevin. So for you, Kevin, um, how does it feel not being able to give speeches in person? You know, you have to do it over the computer or over a tablet. How does it feel not being able to connect with them one-on-one? -on -one? I'm going to be really honest. I was, I'm not going to say anti, but um, we have really, for our, in the entire five years of us working with schools, we've never really pushed anything virtual just because we know the power of human connection and relationship. So coming into this pandemic, I was a little apprehensive, like how in this, how in this was going to work, right? And so to give you an example, I had a training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, five days in a row of virtual training. And you talk about attitude, Mia. I'm going to be honest. I woke up Monday morning going, I have to do this crap. I cannot believe. And I'm like, who in the heck is going to sit in front of a computer for six hours with me today with real life going on? This is worthless. Why are we not, you know, I came up with all the reasons. And, and then... Um, of course, using Zoom, a lot of the screens were blacked out. So I'm like, oh my God, this is even 10 times worse because I can't even see their faces, right? And it may say their name, it may say their initial. I was struggling so bad. But here, here's where it turned around. Every single day, I would get a report like feedback. They would fill out a survey and I would get this feedback. And after Tuesday, somebody said, wow, today almost felt like an interactive podcast. 
And I wasn't doing a podcast then, right? And it just really, that, that one phrase flipped it for me. And I was like, yeah, it's like having guests like you on today with Denise, right? We're just on screen talking. And I started using people's first names. I started, hey, it would be great to see your background and what you're doing today and blah, blah, blah. And before you know, screens started clicking on. I'm using names. Uh, if there was another guy named Kevin, I'm like, right, Kevin? And he's like, yeah. You know, and, and, and before you know it, on Friday, so within five days, I had literally flipped. Um, I, I'm, it's my reality right now. And so I'm adjusting. Um, I think in person will always be better, but I was totally shocked and surprised that the genuine and authentic relationships that can happen across the screen in a virtual platform, blown away at the potential if we, if we invest in it right. And notice what I said, I had to have the right mindset. And two, I needed to start to get to know you and I needed to use your name. And oh my God, is that your dog in the background? Hey, put up the dog to the screen in the middle of a training. You know, that kind of stuff to bring in. What you've been preaching and teaching us is I need to just remember that they weren't just a person sitting across from a screen. They were a human being. Right. And I think that that's important. Like people misunderstand the power of human connections. Like if you say one word, it can just trigger everything and we will open up to you. Um, and I, pe I think people say, oh, this is never going to work. I'm not going to have any friends. And when I left that conference, people heard me. I had friends. Um, I, may, I was friends with some of the teachers or adults there. And I think that's important. And sh people shouldn't underestimate the power of human connections, virtually or in person. Mm. Okay, Circle Mama, um, this one's for you. So how, in one word, what would you describe your quarantine? Lonely? <laughs> yes. <laughs> how so? Oh, okay. So I can expand because you, okay. Uh, yeah. Lonely because I live by myself. Um, so there's, you know, my kids live close, but down the street, but it still is lonely, especially when we were on lockdown, lockdown, but I'm sitting in here just kind of twiddling my fingers, walking around. I would get up and walk outside and walk around to find something to do, but lonely and eating. <laughs> get a dog we have my mom and I and my brother we have a dog and she's the sweetest little dog ever well I get to take on other people's dogs so um I kept Kevin's dogs once it wasn't doing the quarantine and then my mom my little brother powder and then I now have a grand pup Jojo oh. and so he comes over sometimes yeah dogs are great um, okay, so Kevin, this one's for you, but Circle Mama, if you have any comments, you can go ahead and comment on it. Um, so do you miss seeing your coworkers or just anyone in general in person? Oh my God, yes. Um, you know, I think when you get in a routine of just five years of constantly seeing your seeing your your family you know my family is my work family so i used to seeing with them interacting with them and then all of a sudden everything just halts yeah. right much like denise said i think we all kind of went through that like 
what's happening. Okay. Yeah. I'm eating a lot. Yeah. I'm kind of lonely. Hey, we can't even see each other. So no, I think um, in, in what we have been doing is a couple times a month, we've been meeting at a, at a location between us, like in Waco and we wear masks and we keep distance and do everything into consideration, but we try to get some work done and we, we do it for multiple reasons. I think we get work done. It's great to just see each other in person and feel safe. And it just fills that little bit of void that you've been missing with your human interaction. And we're about relationships. And so when you, when you take that kind of relationship away, um, and the other thing is we, we Zoom every week. So once a week, even if it's not in person or on, on live and Zoom, we're, we're always trying to find ways to connect with each other because we realized quickly that we were getting distant. It's a great question. Thank you. Love that question. Yes, I, I did. I missed my NetRP family, seeing them, hugging them. Um, we have all these inside jokes and giving each other a hard time. Um, I really did miss that and having that. Um, and the hardest thing was when we did have the meetings in person, the hardest thing was not hugging Yeah. Them. But some said, I don't care. Give me a hug. I'll exactly. take that ticket. I'll take that ticket. Yes. And then I told Kevin, I don't care, but you get over here, white chocolate, and give me a hug. <laughs> okay. Now, this one is for you, Circle Mama. So, if you had to see one person for, like, a whole day and, like, hug them and go out with them during quarantine face-to-face, who would you want to see? Mia. Oh, thank you. No, I miss you, little miss, miss Mia. You. You. Like, what a great surprise that! <laughs> what a great surprise that would be to spend the day with you, catch up with you, talk, little mini circle, mama. I would choose you. Thank mm. you. Oh my. Oh my God, that's awesome. Hey, Mia, those are great questions. I think one of the things that we've always been impressed about um, students that are like you that take a leadership role in this in this relationship-centered learning is the fact that you realize that sometimes it's just the question. The power of a good question can really, it starts the conversation. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. I would. Um, it's sometimes like now we ask all these questions and I think that opens up and it leads us to more about if you didn't tell me anything about you earlier, then we can open up now and you can tell me this and that and what you like and what you dislike, you know, and I think it's just all about either word or phrase or question that mm. will just get somebody to like, click. Okay, I'm going to share with you. Oh my gosh, that's great, Mia. Okay, so um, we're, we did our we did our five questions, but here's the one I want to ask you: What did you learn about yourself during this whole quarantine? What did you learn about yourself? That I don't really have patience. I'm not patient. I cannot wait to see my friends. I cannot wait to go shopping because sometimes I will still go out every now and then. And it's just that I'm impatient. I didn't used to feel like that, but now, because I would go to school, come back, eat, sleep, you know, and then I would be with my friends at school and over the weekend. But now I've realized that I'm super impatient. Like even tomorrow, it's my birthday and I still cannot wait all day. And I just... 
I never really saw that side of me as impatient. Like, yes, there were times where I was like, I cannot wait to get this or that. But really, honestly, I've seen myself way more impatient than I was way before quarantine. Mm, wow. And, and I'll share with you what I learned was that I really, my energy comes from uh, yeah. human connections, other people, other people. What about you, Kevin? You know, I, 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 oh man, I learned so much about myself. I'm in a constant reflection mode, but um, I learned that if I, I mean, you got to remember, I was probably traveling 150 days a year, right? Constantly on the move. Um, sedentary lifestyle led to sedentary lifestyle. Like I started eating. Oh my God. I would eat all the time, whether it was bored, whatever. I'm just home now. I'm not traveling. And so what I learned about myself is I have to control my appetite. And so I had to change the way I was eating. I started working out, doing something different. I have a gym in the house now. So I had to really change. But I think that the, the tough thing I learned about myself was I have to learn how to be disciplined now in a, in a more quarantine, isolated lifestyle. Yes. Good question. So, so as we start to kind of wind down the episode today, I want you to start thinking about Mia, like you've given us so many things to think about, right? But I always say, we always talk about the head, the heart, and the hands, right? We got information. We talk about things that come from our heart. And then I think most of our educators that listen in on this podcast really want to take away some tools, right? Like something that they could take back after listening to us today in our conversation and not just enjoying and laughing and learning about Mia and us, but what's something that when you say, okay, teachers, if I could recommend one thing that you could take back to your classrooms, whether it's going to be virtual or it's going to be in social distancing in a safe classroom. Either way, I want you to be thinking about one suggestion, one strategy, one idea that teachers could literally take away from listening in today to say, okay, if Mia told me to do this, what's the one thing that I should take away from today's listening of this podcast? What would you say to them, Mia? I would say just to take away like just to connect with your kids that we've been talking about like see me more as a human than the person who does work in school or the person you teach in school you know um i just really want teachers to take away that we are humans open up to us we will open up to you and don't treat us like robots don't treat us as if we had no humans don't lash out at us because we get sad or angry like we disappointed you and i just want you to take back that we're not robots we have feelings. Open up to us. We'll open up back. All right. Denise, what, what, what do you want our listeners to take away after today's episode? So the one thing I want listeners to take away um, after today is lean on your students. You don't have to share everything, but students just want to know that you're human and you have stuff. So get to know them have fun, and get creative in that. I think bringing in those things that students really like to do, like TikTok, how can we yeah. use TikTok to teach a lesson? So get creative, listen to students, lean on them, and let them know that you are human. Yes, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So I think to segue off that, Denise, I would just recommend uh, teachers and, and administrators, everyone in education. I know it's a very taxing time, particularly coming back in the middle of this pandemic. But what I would recommend, find a way to do exactly what 
me and Denise said, but you got to do it your way. So let me give you an example. Maybe that's a storyboard, a collage of things that go on in your life so that you can just share this and see a storyboard you could create virtually or you could create physically and actually make one and show it to your classroom, right? You could use TikTok or another platform to share maybe a couple quick videos of just you being silly or being funny or even being serious or doing something that you do in your daily life, playing with your dogs or something that shows them that hey, this is what I look like outside the school setting, right? So I think it's important that we hear the message of what Denise and me are saying, lean in, connect with the kids, right? Remember that they're human, but you have to find a way that you can do this that's comfortable for you. You know, I don't, I don't expect teachers, there, some teachers are more vulnerable and willing to share more things than others, and that is completely okay. We're not sitting here preaching and teaching a message that all teachers should just open up about their lives completely. I don't think, I think there is some comfort level and trust that needs to be built. My encouragement for your tool today is, is use the platforms that allow you to virtually to connect with your kids to make that virtual connection. And don't ever give up on the fact that human interaction, person to person, storyboards, keynotes, PowerPoints, pictures, a bulletin board, whatever it is in the classroom that just gives your students a glimpse inside of what Mia said today, that you are a teacher, but you're also a human being. So. Oh, sorry. You go. No, go ahead. What are you saying, Mia? Oh, that it may be hard to do this, especially virtually. I think in my my preference, it's easier to connect with kids or just anyone in general um, when you're one-on-one. So, yes, this may be hard, but that doesn't mean you can't do it or you shouldn't do it because life is hard. Things are hard, and um, you just have to face that. Like, you, if you really love your kids and – that and are willing to do anything for them then please try to connect with them especially virtually i feel like we're just lonely and we just have to do this and virtually it's just way worse than normal school but just try to make virtual school as comfortable as you can for the students because i know i would not like i still don't like virtual school you know denise and i have always agreed on one thing and we and that's why we brought you on today is we always believe that the student voice is the most loudest voice that should be heard in education right there up with teachers, right? And as we said at the conference, and we'll say it again today, every human being, aka every student, every teacher, every administrator, every human being wants to feel valued, seen, and heard. I'm hoping that today's episode allowed Mia and Denise and I to hear, to, he, to, be, to feel valued, seen, and heard as we just kind of brought this conversation to the surface. So as we kind of wrap up today, I just want to thank you, Mia, personally. And here's what I want to say. I want to thank you for learning to believe in yourself and trusting the process that you have experienced. Because... Without your growth and your mindset, the people that come around you would not be able to feel and experience that infectious 
connections and energy that you have at such a young age. We, we, you are welcome. We are proud to call you Mini Circle Mama, proud to have you as an extension of our family, and just proud of you as you continue to grow, not just in years, but in wisdom and maturity. Thank you. Thank you. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, the educator, the difference maker. Your time is valuable. I see time as an investment. And I want to thank you from the center of my heart for making it to the end of this episode. But please don't let this be the end of our relationship. If you have the same passion for putting relationships and connections at the center of all learning, then I need you to subscribe and share this podcast with other like-minded educators. It would be extremely helpful if you would leave a review or a comment on what you loved about the episode, or better yet, tell me what you want to hear about more in the future. This way, other educators that are searching for impactful podcasts can get a sense of what this show can offer them. You see, my hopes and prayers are that you were able to find one strategy or one idea that you could take back to one classroom to make a difference for one kid. Thanks for keeping relationships first, and we'll connect with you next time.